You're listening to the National Restaurant Owners Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle and Sarah, and this is episode 63 with Violetta Edelman and Rob Duncan, co-founders and co-CEOs of Dolcezza Gelato in Washington, D.C. Cleaning machines with my mother and delivering gallons of gelato at 1 a.m. with my broken hands. It was it was kind of brutal, And I was right? working. I was doing installation of software for the Department of Defense, and I would run home, I would change clothes, and then I would run to the store and then scoop and then close the shop and oh clean God. it up and then go back home and do it all over again. You guys know how important I feel vibe is to your restaurant or your bar. It's everything. And just to give you an example, have you ever noticed how the energy of – of your restaurant or your bar totally changes when there's something on your TV that's not engaging like sports? I have a solution for you. Atmosphere TV is the first and only TV product of their kind built specifically for use in your restaurant. You may recognize their flagship channel, Chive TV, in addition to 40 plus other amazing high definition content channels, including Red Bull TV, X Games TV, Beach Bum TV, America's Funniest Home Videos, and much, much more. Built and proven to keep your guests sitting, eating, drinking, and of course, spending more money. The best part is Atmosphere remains 100% free for listeners of this podcast. Just use the code KYLE at checkout to have your setup fee waived and receive your device today. That's atmosphere.tv and use the code KYLE, K-Y-L-E, to receive your free device today. All right, guys. Welcome back to the National Restaurant Owners Podcast. I am Kyle and Sarah. And I'm welcoming all of you to meet Violetta and Rob, the co-founders and co-CEOs of Dolceza Gelato based in Washington, D.C. Thanks for joining me, guys. Thank you for yeah, having thanks us. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. So we got a lot to talk about here. We already started talking a little bit. You guys are a husband and wife team. How did you guys meet? So that's a good story. So we'll go, we'll go 20 years back. Because um, that's when oh, it started. Okay, this um, is a good I, I was a software engineer living in Portland, Oregon, not really having it, not into the whole going to big corporations and doing software installs and um, setups. And I was always interested in um, other subjects like um, the indigenous peoples and native cultures and plants and um, stuff like that. So I ended up in a, um, a conference down in um, the Brazilian Amazon. 1999 um, specifically it was Amazonian shamanism and ayahuasca and wow. I was just really interested in that the whole phenomena of consciousness reality the native use of plants and how it goes back millennial and the impact of reality and consciousness and that whole play um, and so I went down there to a conference in 1999 and Violetta who was from Buenos Aires she was also kind of um, into that interested in that in Buenos Aires and so she had come up to that conference as well so that's where we met at this conference Manaus Brazil I'm from Portland Oregon she's um, Buenos Aires Argentina so, um, Argentina <laughs> so for yeah um, Clear so, that so for um, for 10 days 10 nights um, we drank ayahuasca for five of those nights. So every other night we went and got loaded in the jungle with anthropologists, ethnobotanists, ethnopharmacologists, real research, scientific research into this, not such a hippy dippy, airy fairy kind of um, <laughs> deal. Um, but we were back there and uh, 
drinking ayahuasca with um, this these groups, and um, and this really um, hit it off um, together. Which is, if, if I don't know if you know what ayahuasca is, but uh, so for uh, I do have a little bit. I have a, I have gotten a bit of a rundown, believe it or not, from a client of mine who's been trying to recruit me for. Okay. Yeah, it's, 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 it's fascinating. So, I mean, ayahuasca, for those who don't know, it's a it's a hallucinogen, a psychedelic um, plant um, combination. It's actually the only what is called the combinatory um, hallucinogen um, out there. Like, it's not like you just pick up a mushroom or a peyote or cannabis or whatever. You have to combine the two plants together for it to have yeah. psychoactive effects, which is really fascinating, where you asked the Indians how they came up with that. And they're like, the plants told us, stupid. You know, that's kind of their, to you know, yeah. coming from the West, it sounds a little bit weird, but you go to the natives and that's um, that's kind of their answer to it. So, I um, mean, the thing about it is, it's really fascinating is it's um, the, the active component of it is called DMT, N-N-dimethyltryptamine, which we produce endogenously inside of our brain. We, we have that right now in our brains, which is really, that's the thing that's really fascinating about it. It's not like you're bringing in something that's alien mm -hmm. or um, foreign. You're, you're um, kind of um, upping the brain ratio of that already inside the body. So. And, and it's used in the, sh in the jungle to you know, heal the tribe. And it's Heal. used in, in, in the spiritual context, yeah. right? It's used when you're searching for meaning or searching for purpose or, or, or your life is not, or, or it is going well, but you're just looking for answers. For and, healing and, the sick, yeah. for finding lost objects, predicting the weather. I mean, this, you know, again, this stuff from the West and from the modern yeah. perspective sounds completely um, crazy. But down there, that's how it's always been done. And, and it's and for it, thousands of years. And lately it's been used for, you know, helping people with addictions, right? Addictions, so, PTSD. Yeah. I mean, it's like there is a psychedelic renaissance happening right now. And NYU, UCLA, John Hopkins, all around the world right now, where I think over the next 10 to 15 years, all of these things that have been completely um, illegal, and marginalized will become our strongest, most powerful medicines. And and it's been said all along from the kind of the primitives or ancient um, man, ancient woman. It's like these are the most powerful medicines so, that are. So when I met Rob, I was 19 years old. I was, you know, we were both. I was very young. He was too, and and we were both kind of, you know, unhappy with what was the the path that was sort of, you know, pre. You know, prescribe for mm -hmm. you know, what we were supposed to do in life, and and we very quickly realized that we had to find ourselves in order to actually, you know, be able to create the life that we wanted. And so we were both uh, meeting at at a very special time in our lives, um, and searching and, for kind of the meaning and the deep truths. Where yeah, that was the whole point of that trip, right? The like whole point. Right. The whole point. Because yeah. Violet and I are extremely um, intense, passionate. We go really deep into whatever it is that we're doing. And so we had gone into education. I mean, I'd, you know, I was from the South and um, out of Atlanta is where I grew up. So I had religion crammed down my throat, whether I liked oh, yeah. it or not. So, you know, yeah, you yeah. have the institutions of religion, of business, um, of, 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 um, education, education etc and it's kind of we we mind it for all it's worth and we it's kind of bankrupt and so that's what led us down there and and, and we quickly and we quickly fell in love with we felt a very deep connection and and we it was 10 days so i went back to buenos aires i went back to portland oregon we kept in touch 
six months later, we met at the same place, same conference. Another conference. Drank ayahuasca wow. again together and then decided to travel together for three months. And so we went to the market and we bought hammocks and we put them on a little boat with, you know, natives that were, you know, bringing their chickens to sell to the city. And we went on this odyssey of three months, you know, in the in the Amazon jungle. And we went fifteen hundred wow. miles down the Amazon River in a hammock on a boat. The boat was full of, like Bielita just said, indigenous peoples. Oh so it's kind of like a river taxi. So for fifteen hundred miles, about three weeks altogether. Wow! Uh, all the way down the Amazon. Miles? Yeah, it, it was a, it was amazing um, until it dumped out into the Atlantic Ocean in um, a place called Belém, Brazil, which is Portuguese for Bethlehem. And from there. We traveled 3,000 miles down the coast of Brazil in the back of pickup trucks and buses from fishing village to town to city. And at the end of that trip, I was like, I love you. Um, I want to go check out your city of Buenos Aires, meet your family. So we took a plane from Sao Paulo, Brazil to Buenos Aires, Argentina. And the first night after a big asado of meats, grilled meats that Violeta's father had prepared nice. in the house, she took me out in the neighborhood, and the first place that we went was right across the street to a gelateria. There's a lot of Italians in um, yeah, right? in Argentina from World War One, World War II um, immigrations from um, Europe to Argentina. So they have a large, um, um, a strong culture of gelato down there. So she took me into the gelateria there. I got something called dulce leche granizado, which is dulce leche chocolate chip, essentially, and chocolate suizo which is called swiss chocolate and the first bite i looked at her and i was like this is fucking amazing we should do this in the states and this is and I, this I, is the year 2000 just remember yeah. so there's not really anything okay. it was like baskin robbins and yeah ben, right right um, ben and jerry was around but it was just starting so it was it was not it was industrial right there was no artisanal it wasn't a big no. local movement like there is now everybody. yeah right. so i thought he was a little crazy you know because <laughs> I was producing documentaries. That was what I was doing, and he was oh, wow. working in software. And and so, it, you know, it sounded, you know, cute and wild and crazy and just, you know, I don't know. I I didn't make much of it, but um, the economy collapsed in Argentina in two thousand one, and we were down there. When Rob moved with me down there, we lived there for a year. We got married there. And then in 2001, we had five presidents in 10 days in Argentina and people dying on the streets. And yeah, that was right. And, you know, the, yeah, yeah. With it, you couldn't get your money out of the bank. Yeah. So we basically said, you know, let's go to the States. Let's save money for a year and come back. That was the idea. But once we moved here, we ended up in Washington, D.C. And we kept talking about, you know, this idea of opening a gelateria. And we both, you know, sort of went back to what we were doing before. Rob worked in software. In the meantime, I, I worked um, in production of documentaries here in the States. And we were both still very unhappy and overworked and underpaid and just, you know, wanted to do our own thing and follow our own vision and dream and do something together. And so we ended up, you know, partnering with my family, um, with my mom and my stepdad. Um, they took a plane with their summer clothes and came to help us open in a little tiny store in Georgetown. And, uh, and that's all she wrote. That's all yeah. she wrote. We have no idea. First, two thousand. We didn't know what the hell we were we doing. We never made a batch of gelato. Are you serious? Um, wow. My mom. My mom took a one week course on how to make gelato and we opened a store. I yeah, mean, we opened. Yeah. Store. It's called. I I, say, I always joke and say that's kind of a um, Latin American way of doing things where. 
I'm an American, you know, it's like we do the business plan, we do the assessment, we, yeah, do the yeah. we take the course, we do the demographic study, we do yeah. the research of the locations. <laughs> and then two years later, we we move forward where kind of the way that we did it was the opposite. We just jumped in, never had made a badge, for you. never run our own business. And, uh, and it was kind of the sink or swim method and um it you know it was amazing it was an adventure it was crazy it was out of this world we never um <laughs> imagined what it really was that we were getting into and it's um it's 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 defined and made us who we are today it's 17 years ago that's kind it of was when it hard started. it was hard you know like it's when i look back yeah you know it's been amazing incredible but the first two years were really hard uh, yeah. yeah i mean especially I mean, you guys had never been you don't have any background in really food service right so you had really no idea we were getting into with, with really no idea stuff, right? and, we, and like every small business you know we, we have we were undercapitalized and we opened late yeah. and we had a million issues we didn't bother asking anybody like hey you've done this before maybe give us a little advice i mean yeah, we had yeah. no idea about contractors we hired a contractor who took the money and ran away yeah, you know 90k us. our 90k that we had to build the store yeah. um and, and so you know we ran out of money we, we had to, wow. you know, my mother sort of started flirting with like a contractor and got him to like basically loan us the money for two years. He fronted us about yeah. one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars worth of work. And then we Wait, had to hold on. So the, yeah. the, the, not not the guy that ran away, the new guy. No, the, the new guy, guy that ran away. He was like he took our money and ran, and then oh the new God. guy came in and he kind of had the hots for Violetta's mom, oh, and he God. did the work and um and he passed the inspections and. And we opened up, and then two years. It took us two years to actually end up um, paying the, that guy back. Yeah, so you know, I like I find that like I felt it's a like miracle. Basically, wow. it's a complete miracle, and we don't even mention that when we um, brought all the machinery and everything up on boats from Argentina to kind of recreate <laughs> the experience. You know, we're we're. This is the lesson of how not to open up your small business. I think this is the documentary you, you were trained to, to, to make. I mean, this yeah. is the one you've been documenting. This oh, sounds starts incredible. With psychedelic you drugs, love story, and psychedelic and drugs. adventure of business. Yeah, it's kind I of was, everything. You know, I, was working, I was working for National Geographic prior to this, and suddenly I was in the basement of a Georgetown kitchen. 300 square feet, feet with no windows. Making, oh, cleaning machines with my mother and delivering gallons of gelato at 1 a.m. with my broken hands it was it was kind of brutal, and i was right? working i was doing installation of software for the department of defense and i would run home i would change clothes and then i would run to the store and then scoop and then close the shop and oh clean God. it up and then go back home and do it all over again i remember the doing the books on a notebook i was like what is the balance sheet you know i was just like oh pnl oh and yeah try, trying to learn from my stepdad a little bit we you proudly know? to we we do it the old school way we roll so, up our sleeves and we fucking that, do that's it. How we yeah. that's how we started if you survive you know you have strength you have tails you have character and you have the know-how from doing it it's not from a book it's not from a no. show it's not from a, i agree with um, that no offense to this a podcast or anything like that it's like you actually do it and you know what i mean if we went back i maybe we should ask people of the who have the experience maybe we'd do a little bit differently but um but it made you who you are but it made us who we are yeah you know the, the silver lining was that we had a line out the door and you know customers loved us it was the first some people didn't know what gelato was it was the first gelateria in dc and um the first ice cream store to actually use real fruit yeah. uh, period and local fruit that was already weird right and we had strawberries only in may because right. they were people local. Come in, in december be like you don't have strawberries yeah we're like no 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 and so and so and that was the silver lining and that's what kept us going you know and we had a customer who 
after a year of being open, invited us for dinner at his house. And we went there and he gave us a $50,000 check to open store number two without a contract, without anything. We just met him one time. We like, when we walked out, we looked at each other like, what the hell? What's going on? This guy gave us a $50,000 I mean, check. I'm just thinking in my head. I mean, well, number one, I'm thinking, I'd love to hear the, the gelato story, but the story of the rest of the conference sounds probably better. And the ayahuasca story <laughs> sounds probably better. <laughs> um, but I mean, it sounds like um, it's really a testament to the product, right? Like, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all we had. You know, Everything. we were like focused on product and like obsessed with product. And especially, uh, yeah. especially yeah, if you contrast yeah. it in today's milieu kind of environment, you didn't have a web page until you five. I did a blog, you know, just like a um, blogspot.com or whatever it was. Um, yeah. I, kind of like all the flavors and adventures and travels and stuff like that, all, all the learnings that we were going through. But it was obsessively, everything was all about the product and the farmer that grew the ingredients. And we evolved to have 260 flavors in a year, and we would only spend the flavor. If it, if it grew lo locally here in the Mid-Atlantic region, we would only um, work with it during the natural season, like strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, blackberries, Right. Mints, basils, all the um, produce, apples, pears, crookneck, pumpkins, sweet potatoes, right. etc. So, I mean, it was all about um, a single focus on quality and making the best possible product. And um, and that, you know, over this 17 year march and journey, looking at that, that's what's gotten us into all the doors. Yeah. having the best product and that's how we got into restaurants we had you know the chef from the ritz carlton came to see us and he was like i want your gelato in my menu so that and was then, born the wholesale yeah. restaurant program within year one the, so the, how, that was the first year so the first year you were doing on-site and you were wholesaling out to the ritz carlton and we were about six farmers markets as well because the chef came to us honestly yeah. we didn't have time to think it was a concierge yeah. actually in the georgetown yeah. ritz carlton she was in there eating and she was like, this is amazing. Have you ever thought about selling to restaurants? We were like, no, can you, can you do that? We had no idea. And so the next day, the chef from the Ritz-Carlton was up there, Terrence Fury. Um, He's like a great chef up in Philadelphia yeah. right now with his brother. Um, and, and that was our um, first and restaurant. And then Cafe client. Milano. Cafe Milano was, you know, the, the, the Trumpian like, place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. like, yeah, we don't even want to say that. Don't even, let's yeah. not even go down that <laughs> oh, no. That's that's a different, that's a third podcast I already have lined up for yeah, you guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So how did you guys decide even to go to D.C.? Uh, so, you know, when we were in South America and the economy um, fell out, um, because I had the background in, um, in software, our options were, I mean, we had to get out of um, Argentina. And so it was like, you know what, I can get a freelance gigs in the States mm -hmm. with good good pay, good money. And so let's just do that to get out of here until things settle down. Um, and so that's kind of, so the first year we went to um, Richmond, Virginia, where I did a project with Philip Morris and we lived there in, um, in Richmond. And then the next project was with the Department of Defense. And so they moved us to DC. So that's how we ended up in Washington, DC. And we, I, after coming from Richmond, you know, we felt like DC was the place because it was internationally educated. Mm -hmm. You know how it is. Had a so large we, enough population. We felt like it could this this town could understand, you know, what we were we wanted to we do. We could have success in DC. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of like why we opened in DC, just because we ended up we ended up here. And we really yeah. weren't thinking, you know, like 
about the consequences, to be completely honest, as, as you can tell, right? We were very well, I'm young. Picking up on, yeah, I'm picking up on that. You're I'm picking, picking up, up on that. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very organic yeah. process. So, <laughs> yeah. So we, we, you know, now that I look back, I'm like, you know, like, what if I wanted to move somewhere else, right? We ended up with nine stores and three kids and, you know, so, like deep roots in D.C., right? And a big community of farmers and 150 restaurants that we sell to. And wow. you know, Whole Foods nationwide. We're in the Smithsonian so, Museum. Smithsonian Museum. Yeah, we've got yeah. pretty deep roots here. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now you are in now. So now what what year is this right now? When, when I'm right. So how long were you in the one location? For four years. So we um opened up 2004 in Georgetown, and 2008 is when we opened up in um the second location in okay. So it took us four years to open second location. But in that time, you were doing the wholesaling, farmers markets, farmers markets, and some but, local grocery stores. With okay. Clients. So that's that's a lot to undertake. I mean, those are like three separate you know lines of business to take on for somebody that's incredible. Anything to survive the winter. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Who else wants it? Yeah. yeah. I get it. Yeah. And the thing that helped, I guess, with being the family business was was myself, Violetta. Violetta's um, mom and Violetta's stepfather. So we had, you know, that that was everything to have the family business and, and we could yeah. each, like, we could depend on each other um, to help out. So. Fight and make up and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It, well, I always say, I mean, I'm not that I, I don't have the blood relation as Violetta does, but it's like the family is what keeps you together through yeah. all the, um, the disagreements and the difficulties and trials and tribulations of having a small business. Uh, oh, especially yeah. when you're getting started. Oh, for sure. Now I'm, I, I was in a similar boat. My first restaurant, we had great idea, great concept. We were super busy here in New York, uh, but we had no idea what we were doing. We both were chefs. We had no idea. Invoices were stacking up. People were like, when do we get paid? We're like, Oh yeah, that's right. We need somebody to do the payroll. We need somebody to pay them. Yeah. It's crazy. I think but, it's a common, I mean, it's a very common story, you know, to, yeah. small, to small business owners. It's like really, and, and I think it is to, to most things. You really, truly, you don't understand what it is until you fully embark on it. Because right. your passion is, you know, making food or your passion is not yeah. necessarily becoming, a, you know, like a, a manager or whatever right. it is or, or an accountant or whatever. Or so salesman. Yeah. Or, um, yeah. It's like you just, um, you learn or you burn. Yeah. No right. Choice. I, I remember uh, <laughs> one of our bookkeepers being like, I'm going to make this real easy for you guys because, you know, we're spending money. We don't know what the hell we're doing. He's like, money in, good. Money out, bad. <laughs> let's stop. Let's start with that conversation. That's where we started. Yeah. We went on to be like multi-unit. We did very well, but like we literally started the same boat. So I can totally relate. Yeah. So you guys waited four years to the second store. What was it that you were like, we need, we need to open up another location? So, I mean, really the thing, I, honestly, it was like there was a friend that works for um, a, a distribution company of um, ingredients called Chef's Warehouse, Dairyland. Uh -huh. yep. So it was our rep who became really um, good friends with us. And he came in and was like, hey, there's a new development that's happening up here um, like 10 minutes up the road. And you, you, it'd probably be a really good um, project to, um, to get involved with. And then that's about the same time when this guy came into our store and said, have you ever thought about opening a second location or an additional location? I love what you do. 
And that's the infamous dinner that we had where we walked away with ah. $10,000. Which so, at the time for us was a lot. Now we couldn't even build a counter, right? Yeah, so yeah, that's, but it took, you know, it took a lot of convincing because Rob was, you know, obsessed with like making yeah. it on premises. It's like and he was like, I can smell van. the van I was, when uh, we transport the I, gelato. Number two, like, for, number two yeah. for me was the one, like the, the hardest location because oh, I mean, yeah. for like one or two years, I couldn't accept that I couldn't be in multiple locations and serve every single scoop. And if anybody yeah. had the questions, you know, then. Um, I would explain it or making every single pan in Georgetown, every single pan, every single day was freshly made that day. And so, love that. oh, I love that. I mean, it's yeah. the best that you can do, you know? And so then when you have two locations, it's a whole other thing. Yeah. Now you start thinking about scale operations, processes, yep. SOPs, all that stuff. And that's not the like, you know, geeking out in the kitchen no, probably, and farmers yeah. and ingredients. And so it was, it but was it was pretty obvious very quickly that, you know, if we wanted to have a business that could support us as a family, my mother and my stepdad, the partner that we took uh, after three weeks, we had to open had more to, locations. We had to grow. Yeah, right. I yeah. I, I mean, that's what they say. Like, that's uh, your second location is really your first location. You get a real, yeah. you get a grasp for that. Do you guys agree with that? Is that same yeah. vibe? Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I guess it's like it's kind of it's but, a mutually exclusive thing. It's like one location is um, running one shop is kind of one thing. Yep. Having two is like a totally different thing as totally. far as just because what you need in order to support it, and make it um, to make it run, and you all of a sudden have to depend on a team of people. Yeah. It's not that's, just you and us running the shop, open and closing, cleaning, hiring, firing. You know, it's like yeah, you, you need have. To, Build an infrastructure. Yeah, this, like you said, the SOPs, the recipes, all that stuff's got to be on point. I'm sure Bob probably drives you nuts to think like, is this certain one tasting like that? Is it tasting like it did at the original store? Well, right? Let the, you know, I, I would be up in the new location. The, the the van, the freezer van would show up with that day's pans of gelato. I would pull off the pan of chocolate. I would smell it. I'd be like, smell the van on this send it back and i actually I mean, had to ban him from going to the second location yeah. i was like you're not coming here anymore because you're Made just bringing crazy. bad vibes Made <laughs> just, like, yeah. just yeah and, and until you embrace the whole damn thing you know yeah. just like, which he did eventually yeah. he did. we ended up opening a bunch a of process. locations yeah. yeah well it's just it's a process yeah. and it's a personality you know because yeah. it's like what my thing is and to this day it's like i'm the crafter i want to be in my yeah. world and i maybe it's a male thing too i think that like people males like in the man cave whatever they like to get lost in the process yeah um um and so that was my thing is like the being in the kitchen and and i'm working with the ingredients and not and in the well i guess i've evolved to, now to know, me it was exactly the, the opposite <laughs> right kyle you know, i wanted to be like the management the boss, the boss. i right. didn't want i didn't I no want to i didn't like the manual labor i was like no. what happened to me you know like <laughs> i was i was working for national geographic right this when, is not supposed to go yeah, so once, you know, I achieve a level of, you know, like, oh, I'm doing things with my mind now. Like, I'm not really, like, cleaning machines anymore. I was like, okay, this, I'm, I'm enjoying this. Um, I can grow a business. I can, like, I can be the producer that I was, but for myself. Yeah. And so for me, the more locations we had, the better I felt. Because I felt like, you know, like, the business was growing and I was helping and I was, you know, doing a lot of stuff that fulfilled me. Yeah, um, and, you know, the, I think for me, 
within that, as far as in the growth and the evolution of it, is like once I kind of got it to where it's like it's everything, you know, from one perspective or another is about creation. And so instead of creating a certain like one pan of gelato for that day, it became about creating the space, creating a team, yeah. creating the training, creating the experience. So then it became satisfying as well, just because it's all um, about creating um, a growing business that has a lot of factors of it. That's not just being in the kitchen over the stove, you know? Yeah. I'm so glad to hear you say that because there, there are so many, you know, you have to kind of, I mean, to your point before, you kind of have to pay your dues and, and doing that with all, you know, with your hands, with figuring it all on your own, like to get you to that point, to that next level. Now where you're, you know, on fifth Avenue, looking down, walking, you know, looking, not walking down fifth Avenue, but looking down from the empire state building, you can see the whole picture now, right? Like yep. it's a little bit different, you know? So I, I think a lot of owners get stuck in that two to five unit space where they're, they, they're kind of like, can't get out of gear, you know, like they're yep. like, I can't, I can't do this. What's going on. But so you guys have gone from now you have two. how long before you start really ramping up. So then 2000, and so if we opened 2004 Georgetown, 2008 in Bethesda. 2009. 2009 in DuPont. The next one, DuPont. Um, and you know, about store number three really kind of, because then that got our coffee program like legit and on board. Mm -hmm. Kind of got the whole experience of coffee and gelato or gelato and coffee in our shops. So, I, and, and it's so funny because DuPont, store number three, 2009, we were just having our little, our first baby um, in an apartment right down the street from our DuPont Circle location. And I remember being in that, our apartment with the family saying, okay, no, not one more store. This is it. That's it. There's no more. We're not doing any more, you know? And then, so I guess, I guess. 2012, we opened two more. Right. So then 2012, we opened <laughs> yeah. two more. And then 2014, and then 2017, 15, 17. Yeah. So I don't know when it happened yeah. to me, honestly. Because <laughs> it still wasn't there. Um, you were just along for the ride later. at that point. You know, I, it's, uh, I, th I think it's like kind of what you said. A lot of people, it's hard for them to get out of the two to five unit kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I just see it's kind of like um, I, I, until you're forced to give up the old model, yeah. Um, and fully adapt to the new model because you've gone up to the next level. I just think that's the process until you, if, I think we're very open. We're very curious. We're super adventurers. Mm -hmm. We explore stuff. So I think in the natural progression of like, ah, oh, cool. That could be cool. The restaurant program could be cool. The um, grocery store program could be cool. Um, let's go into this neighborhood and open up in Logan circle. That's a great building. It's an old building. So because we're all, always checking stuff out, always curious for the next thing. It just got to the point where when we're about store four or five in there, that's when it became very clear. It's like, look, if you like to suffer, you can hang on and cling to the old model or you can look and, and see what the yeah. business is now and yep. what it needs and requires to be successful and hum and then adapt to that. And so then in two seconds, I'll drop the old model and pick up the new model based on the needs of where we're at, kind of like, where yeah. are you at on the point of, on the graph? Yeah, you know, that's a really, that's, that, and what yeah. is the best thing for this? And that's, that's like a, a, a life kind of thing that goes back to lessons learned in loaded under ayahuasca in the jungle <laughs> that I still carry 20 years later. You know what? No, I've never heard that suggestion for restaurant advice. Maybe everyone, they, they need a little ayahuasca stores three oh, to five. I maybe it needs, I think humans, all humans need a good psychedelic experience to rip your mind wide open, realize everything that you've been taught is completely false and you need to unlearn like Yoda, like unlearn everything that you've been taught 
I'm down. And, and that will then you'll actually be able to perceive um, a little bit better and not so much through the lenses of the past. You I know? mean, I'm just going to throw it out there. Maybe that's your next flavor. You know, have you thought about that? I have no idea how difficult it is to drink ayahuasca. It stinks. It's like I've, brown I've, brew that you just smell it. Like, like it's like metallic. It's a like bird. Highly oh. mineral. Like, and then you, you gotta do it. See yeah, Jesus yeah, you, and the yeah. devil and snakes wrap around you. I don't know if you want to have that happening in the store. We have it, but you got to take it with you wherever you're going. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. This is only for the mountains or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now you're at, so pre COVID, how many stores are you at? Nine. Nine, Nine stores. We shut Nine down two. We shut down two with COVID. Yeah. Shut down pre COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because I, I was going to touch on what I on I saw your Instagram post back in September. Yeah. We got to shut down locations. Talk yeah, me through yeah. what happened there. So basically, you know, when everything started, we you know thought that we were going to have to shut down five locations. We looked at sales and we were like, this doesn't make any sense, right? And and so we started talking to landlords, and you know, some of them responded really well, and others didn't. Yeah. And so and so the the two locations that we shut down were you know the the, the ones that we thought. That, that we we were not going to get to a point of you know just making it work financially um, for us. Um, but the other three, the longer we stay, um, the more flexible things became. You know, for, for yeah. everyone, for the landlords, for us. You know, we had more help from the government, and so we ended up you know retaining three of those five locations that we thought we were going to shut down, and and that really made us very very happy because. But, you know, there's nothing more horrible, as you know, and I'm, I'm sure everyone who's been talking to you lately, you know, than having to tell people that, you know, you have to let them go. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really horrible. So, so you know, we've, we've, we feel now invigorated just because, you know, even at the retail level, you know, things became a little bit easier in a way just because they're more manageable. And we're very focused on CPG, you know, right before COVID, we launched um, nationwide with Whole Foods. Um, yeah. We have seven skews, seven flavors, and, and in, a, in the last year and a half, we grew tremendously in CPG. You know, Which is a whole other story. That's a, that's the fourth podcast that we should have. Kind of this <laughs> I'm whole writing thing. them down. I'm writing them down. That the talks about we launched CPG was that whole story, specifically with Whole Foods, was um, about three years back. The, um, I had a meeting in New York after doing a um, good food show over in Brooklyn, um, and and there was the fancy food show at the I think it's the Jarvis Center. Jarvis Center, um, yep. Yeah, Jarvis Center. So the buyer from Austin, Texas, the headquarters of Whole Foods was in, and we had gotten a meeting with him. So after the good food show in Brooklyn, I ran across town. Um, had my seven flavors to sample and I walk in and meet this guy and he's like, no, 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 no. I don't need to try any of it at all. I know you guys got the best shit in the game and I want, we want you as our global partner, Whole Foods, all 500 Whole Foods. Are you, are you down? So, you know, that, I mean, obviously the answer was like, hell yeah, they, um, yeah. we're going to do it. You know, it's um, not really having, again, similar thing. We had no idea what CPG industry, what the, um, how, you know, the know-how. The know-how of, um, of doing it that yeah, level, yeah. we just went for it. And so we launched um, all 500 Whole Foods, seven flavors, wow. in um, May 2019. In our downtown D.C. factory, we were, we, in 2019, we hand-packed 800,000 pints here. A friend of mine, Omar Byler, Amish um, farmer up in Lancaster, PA, is a dairy farmer. 
Five days a week, he was coming here to our factory, each delivery of 500 gallons of his grass-fed Jersey cow oh um, milk. We had 10,000 pounds over that year um, of frozen strawberries from our Virginia strawberry farmer who the strawberries that she couldn't sell during the season they would freeze for jams for sauces or for yeah. this use yeah so we were roasting her strawberries in the ovens and so that's how we launched into the world of cpg i always say it's like we kind of came like farmers we had no idea that you know there's yeah. it's i mean in the world of like big distribution big production big um big supermarkets uh, the money that you need kind of the pay oh. to play in that world and then the brokers um, the sales teams, it's very sophisticated when you go in and start competing against Nestle, Unilever, Kraft. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hardcore. It's like positioning um, and like all that kind of stuff, right? Like positioning yeah, and marketing and your yeah. structure, your team, your meetings. Slotting fees, slotting velocity. Fees, velocity. If you don't perform, they kick you out in six months. So, so again, it goes back to the whole thing of like, wow. the thing that got us in the door was the quality of our product. We had never yeah. thought about going into the, um, the grocery stores nationally at all. We were invited to the dance. We said that we would go, and all of a sudden we pop up there, and we're like, what the hell is going on here? It's, and the best analogy is we had played peewee baseball the whole time, and we were getting really good at the local league. And, and all of a sudden you're in Yankee Stadium. And all of a sudden we were in Yankee yeah. Stadium. We're like, what the fuck is going on? Look at that baseball bat, the teams, the trainers, the diet, the uniforms, the amount of money. To, it's like, it like this is the, the way you guys operate. This is it. Yeah. This is your so, modus operandi. This is, you can't change that now. Like time to dance, you know, so we're sitting yeah. there, and like um, we get going. Um, and and so that's you know the but we had no idea also of the importance of truly diversifying our channel of sale when we launched nationally in 2019 because then eight months later nine months later mm -hmm. we're forced to shut down all retail shops you know the shelter in place order we had no shops and what we did have was a strong national program of um of our grocery stores about yeah. 1500 grocery markets whole food fresh wow. market earth fair natural grocers and a lot of the independence mom and pops within the natural channel so um that's right now um where we're focusing a lot of time and energy and just now rolling out two new flavors to whole foods global um which happen to be these flavors the swiss chocolate the very first flavor that oh, i tried 20 yeah. years ago that that made me look at Bioletta and say, we should do this in the U.S. We're now rolling out these amazing flavors that are in the Argentine gelato parlors. To Which the, are um, not Italian. They're very different. They're very Argentine. Yeah. Dulce leche, you know? It's like yeah, yeah. dulce leche or whatever, and it's Argentine. Um, and so those are the flavors that we're bringing to the, to the U.S. market. So it's a really cool. It's kind of like it's given us our, 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 our lane, our vision, as far as like how we're going to um, um, play this hand in the world of um, CPG and bring these amazing flavors to um, the U.S. market. I love the branding. It looks so cool. I don't know. That, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other thing, right? The packaging, the branding, the calories. That's, like, the nutrition yeah, that's, that's just me puffing homegrown, beautifully grown cannabis out of my back deck and then seeing the ideas and it's periodic table and botanical illustrations on the lid. And that's where the ideas of the design come from. I have a great artist here in town. That and you just gave him the vision. I, I just say, and I, the I, flowers. I, said, I gave him the flowers <laughs> to smoke and the vision to design and come up with good design. So it's I need you to see this vision with me. Yeah, I, I have the email where we had gone down a certain path on the design for three months. And all of a sudden I came back and I was like, I just saw the package. I saw periodic table on the front and 
so great. vintage botanical illustrations on the lid. And he was like, God damn, this like cannabis <laughs> changing all the last three months. And so that that's completely um, the inspire for um, okay. for all the shops and for the package design and everything comes from and that who, space. And who does the, the in-store design? The stores are really cool. I, I do all this the build out, all the design. It's like all of it. Everything. Just, again, the same wow. thing. It's, it's all same. So, you know, that happened with the shop number four or whatever. We sign up to a legit architect. They come and say, here's what we think the space should look at, look like. We look at it and we're like, that sucks. That has nothing to do with any of our vibe, our aesthetic, our design, our taste. And so then I get in and have to design, you know, all the tile, the part, the mill. You, you had to invite them over to the backyard again and you had to tell them, hey, look, here's what we need to do. Smoke right, this. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Smoke this and now you'll see the truth. <laughs> No, he wasn't into it. So. I wasn't into it. No, was, no, the architect wasn't into it. No, oh, that yeah. architect. No, he had yeah. to do it on his own. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's nice. yeah. Yeah. No, but you know, I'd say again, it's like, it's at first it's very scary because the whole thing is like, what if I design something that totally sucks? I can't go back and change it once it's brick and mortar, you know? Yeah. So it was scary at first, but then once you do one or two, you kind of start seeing the different materials that you like. Yeah. And, um, it's always rooted in classic, you know, the mosaic tiles or wood or glass or steel. It's like tie, just like old world classics and um, and natural materials. This um, is yeah. I mean, that, that's what looks so great. I mean, I don't know what I'm looking at here, but it's the one with the big yellow staircase and like the oh, that's the yeah, factory. That's, the factory. that's, that's where, where we're we at are. right now. We're that's right next right to now. the yellow staircase. Yeah. So yes. that 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 produces wholesale gelato there. Yeah. Yeah. Produces and that's all a retail the storefront. Yep, yeah, retail tasting room for fresh spun um, gelato, and then it produces um, all the gelato for all the um, all the stores and all the wholesale here locally. Wow! So then all the pickup for the stores happens here. Yeah. Yep. Oh, we have a twelve foot frozen box truck that we do the delivery um, to all of our shops and all of our um, wholesale partners here in the local area. Wow. So I mean, so now you guys are at. How many? I'm sorry, I lost track. How many stores are open now? So what we we had to choose, we had to close, um, including the factory tasting room. We had to close three. So okay. we have what we have five locations. Yeah, one now. is that the other one at the Smithsonian Museum is also not open right now. Right. It will reopen. So when, it's when just it, it's the museums yeah. are still closed yeah. from um, yeah. all the uh, pandemic. So yeah, yeah I guess total. We'll have, closed. I didn't realize they're, the museums yeah. closed. Smithsonian's oh. are yeah, they're, they're still closed wow. down here. Yeah. Wow. And what are you at occupancy wise uh, on on the street level retail restaurant space? You know, it varies from store to store. Some of the stores are at ninety percent, and and the lowest right now is sixty five. Oh wow. Something like that. You know. But now that the weather is picking up and people are yeah. getting vaccinated, like the last weekend we were at like eighty five percent. But wow. it was it was the first time. It was the first time since COVID that I look at sales and I was like, I was texting There's everyone. I was like, yeah. There's actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're sure. back, people. It, so, it yeah. feels so good, you know. Yeah. It's like typically like we come out of a hibernation of winter of three months of cold, low cells, low foot traffic. But now we're coming out of like a 12-month being like stuck in the cave afraid, you know. So now yeah. it's like this spring feels like no other spring ever in oh, my yeah. memory. For I know all of us. the weather broke last last weekend here in New York, and in the city it was like 
here people too. just could not wait to get out. And it was oh like, my gosh, pent yeah. up, man. People yeah, were like dude. freaking out. Every, to do with it. And everybody I talked to, you know, I talked to a guy who's who I respect a lot, and he was like, "It's gonna be the Roaring Twenties all over again. It's gonna." Yeah, be I've heard that comment. I've heard that comment many I know, times. I, I hope, also, I, I also heard. Right. I hope it's the Roaring Twenties, and and without the the, the depression that follows. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, we're gonna so leave that like, one part out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. <laughs> looks like let's spend money, but let's be careful. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Let's, let's let's take care of the planet <laughs> yeah, and exactly. ourselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, other than, I mean, you guys sound like you kind of navigated this. You know, you had like a little bit of addition by subtraction by closing the the spaces. You shifted to doing some consumer, uh, straight to consumer stuff. What's the goal? What's the plan, rather, moving forward? I mean, I mean, maybe you don't have a plan. Uh, we actually, you know, we actually, we are like, we're reborn. We're like resurrected, and we actually now want to do stuff in a different way after the, um, with a plan, with a vision. Um, know where we want to go, plot the course. I mean, it's kind of maybe the way that we've done it was kind of like a young man's game, young mm -hmm. woman's game, where you could be stubborn and foolish and just kind of throw yourself into it. And if you make it cool, if you don't, you learn. But yeah, now, I mean, now, like we've got the stakes are higher. The stakes also. are higher. We have like friends who have given us money as investors, our friends and family. Right. We have three kids, you know, or I mean, our whole yeah. so we, we're planners now. Yeah, we want to be. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now we are starting today. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, it's, been, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, where we want to go, I mean, it's very clear as far as like we um, obviously stabilize the brick and mortar. Um, shops that we have kind of uh, what I've um, been through, but we want to go big time. We want to jam this in the CPG industry because the thing is this, our product, the quality that we have stands out so much at the level of um, national wholesale because that's mostly industrial products out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, 90% yeah. of the CPG industry is owned by 10 companies. Right. And so it's like our, our game and our quality and our product stands out. Um, in the world of CPG, and we've just scratched the surface. We're in about 1,600, 1,700 grocery stores around the country, and we want to, and, and all mostly in the natural channel. We just rolled out into like 25 Harris Teeters down in North Carolina, um, about 75 giant eagles up in the northeast around Pittsburgh and all that. So that's the first kind of like um, foray into the world of um, a little bit more specialty and conventional as opposed to just the natural channel where we've been all along. Mm -hmm. um, but we want to um, we want to grow big time um, in the CPG industry and go into every household in America and not yeah. completely let it go of the brick and mortar um, business, yeah. but maybe um, have the CPG industry um, grocery business go really big, go into like the Kroger's, the Safeway, the Giants, um, Publix, etc., um, and maybe use just the brick and mortar as a brand. And go open yeah. in the West Coast. Maybe go and open in LA. So you have an experience. Like, who yeah. is Dolcezza? There's no better way of communicating that than walking into a store where you have the experience. Yep. And I you agree. see that, and then you go to the grocery store and you and you um, buy it. So that very clearly is our game yeah. plan and our direction. But we have yet got. We have not gotten any big funding. We're still a small family, friend, friends and family business. And that's really important to us as well because it's us that sit at the table and make every single um, decision um, that we're doing. And that, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to straddle because you do need yeah. um, money and resources. But if you, if you completely bow and let the VCs and P money come in, it's a totally different thing altogether. That's what I was going to, that's what I was just going to ask you. Well, first thing I was going to say is like, 
that's incredible to hear you say that, especially since you had started saying, Rob, early on that you wanted to make every pan of gelato that came out of the space. How do you go about how, how do you go about how have you transitioned from that and, and how do you go about maintaining the quality? Right? Like is that because when you get bigger, right, you're gonna get maybe more money. And then, and again, I've seen this before too, is it's tempting to take the money, take some money off the table, grow some grow some more stores. But hey, you know what? Do we really need to use this guy in Lancaster? Can we really get some? I can get these strawberries from China or whatever the hell. Have you are those conversations starting to like drip into your head? Yeah, I mean, all is because because the yeah. whole thing is scale yeah. is different than running local business. I mean, it's it's kind of, it's a mutually exclusive thing, and yep. so um, we've had lots of these conversations. One thing um, is our shops in DC, right? We still have the luxury to be extremely seasonal, and we yep. can use the best ingredients. For CPG, we have certain limits. You know, we can't lose money because right. otherwise we will be out of business. We cannot ham so, pack because you capacity wise and yeah, quality. No. But <laughs> also, now you have to your, your cost of goods need to be at a certain percentage, and that's right. it. And if I, I if I can't make Sicilian pistachio because I will be losing money, and that's yeah, it. Right. That one is how. So, so there's limitations to it. Um, so some can't. Some can't. You some you can't scale. And you're right. Some you should stick with the ones that you can. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. It's like the it, it, you can definitely just because you scale does not mean that you no longer have a quality product. That's right. that's no. a misperception out there. I mean, understandably, why you know because that's right. typically I think what what is um, done within again the CPG industry because it's all about the margin. It's all about the bottom line, and quality gets sacrificed for that. So for us, it's like you know you have to be smarter and how you do stuff and um with the with the cost of the ingredients and all that but you still make a good quality product and be on top of it in every single batch i mean we're producing now in a kitchen that's about 45 minutes up the road from here um and no longer producing for grocery for grocery for our retail locations our restaurants our local markets all of that that's producing you um, but for capacity, you know, I was up there on Saturday morning um, producing the one flavor that's now rolling out into all Whole Foods called um, Tramontana. It's a, it's amazing flavor. It'll be on all Whole Foods in the month of April, um, and it's gonna blow that. It's gonna blow everybody away. We, you know, within half a day, we produced thirty thousand pints. Jesus. So I mean, wow. it's like again, it's like I was able to produce here in our factory in a day at the most, at the most, one thousand pints with the whole wow. crew. That's cranking, right? Three different shifts round the clock. Where at the end of the day, honestly, the pint that you would sell to the distribution company, you would lose money because it was so expensive. The hourly wages, yeah. the ingredients, you would have an amazing product. Um, but you would lose money. But the thing is that this new facility that we're um, that we're producing at, which is new machines, it's automatic fillers, automatic packers. It's got a cooling tunnel that's 12 feet long of liquid nitrogen wow. that freezes that product. So the thing is, it's a better product for grocery store shelves coming from this automated facility simply for the fact of one thing is to produce a batch of gelato here that I delivered 10 minutes away to my shop. And it's scooped within two days to the customer. A whole other thing is to produce something that in six yeah. months from now will be opened by somebody in a grocery store in California. That's a that's a totally wow. different product. You've got to nail the details and the technical side of things, like how quick is your pint frozen? That yeah. that's that's kind of the holy grail within frozen within ice cream. 
is how quick are you freezing that product because you stop the crystallization oh, and needs right, the right, bad right. texture and the separation of the fat and the water and all that. Which in our factory, we have two big walk-in freezers, but none of them are blast chillers. So, and every single pint has exactly 40 grams of dulce leche going into this Tramontana where when I'm hand packing and, and everybody's uh, hand scooping, you can't yeah. have the same standardization. Right. So for the world of grocery, it's it, 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 my belief before was that it's like, you can't do anything but hand pack. And, and from doing this, it's different now. It's actually yeah. for the world of grocery, it's better the way that we're doing it now. And again, you can scale and keep your hand on quality. That that for, for us, that's everything. Yeah, we will evolve, we will grow, we will adapt, we will change, but we're never going to give up quality. Or I mean, because everything in our life is all, uh, with what we eat at home. We grow our own food, not only grow our own herb, um, our farmer friends. You know, it's like we eat amazing food at home, all seasonally from our farmer friends with our family and all that. That's we're awesome. never ever going to change that because it translates to deliciousness, health relationships with your growers, etc. So and when you guys have that kind of passion for it, it comes through in the product and the customers can 100%. feel it. And that's why I think 100%. it's important. You know, I love, you know, in traditional restaurants, everyone's talking about ghost kitchens and things like that. But yeah. I, I'd like that idea. I mean, similar to what, what you're doing is, you know, still have those storefronts, but have a presence in other, you know, in retail markets and grocery stores. And you're sort of like surrounding everybody now. And I think that's how you really build brand awareness, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, so when you guys have these, you know, now, now that you're coming out of this and you have these brick and mortars and you have the, the online business and you have the, um, the grocery stores, how do you go about identifying, like, how is the brand, how do you identify potential brick and mortar opportunities now for, for this new sort of like reinvigorated brand? So we, we're not 100% there yet because we're just, you know, coming out of COVID. And right yeah. now, you know, the one thing that we have is we're very strong here in D.C. So we're constantly approached here to open locations. And so that's always, you know, like the world is exploring that. And right now, as, as everyone knows, you know, there are amazing deals out there yeah. because, you know, people are willing to give you, you know, a percentage of sales for a year right. or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Um, so, so we're always open to explore, you know, spots here in terms of expanding nationally, it's, it's more of a future, you know, that, that requires a lot from us. Um, and, and we still need to figure it out. It's an idea, yeah. but, but, you know, we don't have like grocery, of course you, you send your trucks with your product and you sell it. Now a retail location, that's different, right? To, to yeah. manage it and to make sure that you transport the gelato, they are that that would come from the factory. So we're still sort of exploring how is that going to be like. But the markets, yeah. you know, as far as like what markets would you go into? I mean, it's kind of, I mean, there, there is the obvious, like, you know, you have the big markets, New York, LA, Chicago. Miami. Miami, yeah. um, that kind of thing. And you could also go into smaller towns, you know, like a Nashville, um, Austin, Texas kind of thing. So, yeah. like, you know, we, we like both, you know, so. Um, yeah. Also for gelato, it's good to go to warmer places. Yeah, to go to south where you have no seasonality. Yeah. So that yeah, would be right. really nice too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then, but then you would have to do another, I mean, the, your existing infrastructure couldn't handle anything really much more outside your region, right? Like you'd have no, to No, if we were to do that, we would um, go with the kitchen. Yeah. You know, we would go into California 
and start with a kitchen. So you start to pull from the local produce there and get to know the local farmers there. And you then you have to the open like four or five there. locations, right? Because so it doesn't yeah. make sense to have one. And so like, it's a whole thing, you know? Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. Yeah. And then the money to be able to do that. And so um, the team to do that. And, you know, again, we're not going to like um, franchise this thing out and no. have somebody else do it. It's going to be us. So um, it's some, we, we were talking about it a lot, like um, pre-pandemic. Cause it was like, Oh, you know what? Let's do this. Let's go. Um, and then, and then with pandemic shutting all the retail brick and mortar stores down, it's definitely shifted for right now as far as yeah. the focus on the CPG. So we're going to lean hard in the CPG. And I would just say for the next one or two years and see kind of what shakes out in the world of brick and mortar and just to see what, what is there? What yeah. are the opportunities? What is our, our We're also going to explore the ghost kitchens and, and, and teaming know, up with ghost kitchens, people, and, yeah. and e-commerce and stuff like that. Really, places that we've not really um, done too deeply because we were so brick and mortar. Right. But now this is kind of shifted, and so it's now looking into other areas of the business and channels of sell, um, and see kind of what we can do with that. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. Sort of. I mean, that's a great story from how you guys started. To where you are now right i mean you're talking about oh, omni channel selling online ice cream you know no, it's just, now we just we lack the like the reality tv show and um and ah. <laughs> yeah now you need them now yeah get that's where you need the documentary film crew starting now as you guys grow across the country exactly. um so tell everybody where they can uh order your ice cream uh nationally and locally so we can uh get you some more sales yeah, All so right. we, we ship nationwide through Gold Valley. So if you go to our Instagram, Dolcesa Gelato, or our website, um, Dolcesa Gelato as well, um, you can find links there. Um, and then, of course, we're in all the Whole Foods nationwide. And if you're in D.C., we have a bunch of locations, one downtown, um, one in Dupin Circle, Bethesda, Fairfax, etc. Yeah, so lots of grocery stores. So, I, I mean... Whole Foods, there's 500 of those. Fresh Markets, which is kind of up and down southeast. Yeah, 180 mm -hmm. Fresh Markets. Um, Earth Fair is also kind of southeast. There's about 170, 180 um, uh, markets called Natural Grocers that is yep. out in Colorado, California. Um, wow. Many mom and pops out there, you know, Harris Teeter in North Carolina, um, up in Giant Eagle Market District and stuff like that up in kind of the northeast. And a lot of the mom and pops, co-ops, independent um, markets that are more in the natural channel, you can find our pints there. And it's just getting, you know, just getting started. And the two flavors rolling out nationally now is the Swiss chocolate, which is milk chocolate gelato with dulce leche and chocolate chip. Um, Stracciatella oh, I think I see that one here, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. That Again, that's the big bang of Dolcezza. That's the first bite that I took in the gelateria um, after the odyssey of three months trips traveling through um, – <laughs> Brazil, and then the Tramontana, which is a cream base with the dulce, um, fresh dulce leche folded oh, into it, and a dark chocolate covered um, cookie um, as well. And they're um, they're classics from the Argentine gelato parlors that we're bringing here to the markets. I kind of have my eye on the peanut butter stracciatella right here. Oh, that's amazing! We that's love that that's a long, lifelong obsession with the Reese's peanut butter cup that I'm trying to resolve in a pint. <laughs> I have a I'm meeting this afternoon. I'm wondering if I drive by a Whole Foods. I'm like, I think I do. do it, man. I think I do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to send you guys a picture. <laughs> right on. That's an incredible story. I was really like, uh, it's like uh, inspiring, right? Like you guys kind of figured it out the whole way. And here you are, Gold Belly, Whole Foods, and online, brick and mortar. It's a tremendous story. So congratulations. It's really cool. 
Thank right you. on. Much, much appreciated. Thanks for having us on to, um, to talk with you and to, to kind of amplify the message. We appreciate it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you up on the other because I I mean I really to be honest with you, not even kidding. I would love to know more about how you go about scaling something like this. That's a that's a real real oh that's a real story. And it's not easy. Rich. Oh yeah. my gosh! Again, it's like it's um we're we're kind of in a in a certain sense starting all over as far as mm -hmm. like the skill set of like how, you know one thing was how to open up a local brick and mortar store and run a family business and expand. That's whole one thing that took fifteen years to kind of start dialing into that. We're at the very beginning of how to scale this business. And we have 10 flavors that we want to roll out to all the grocery stores over the next couple of years. So, yeah, anytime we won't, like I said, we, we won't shut, shut up. up. It's it's <laughs> easy to get us started and very difficult to, to shut I'm it off. I wish so. I had more time. We could keep going. <laughs> um, well, guys, it was a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for your time today. I look forward to uh, staying in touch. Right Same on. Here. Yeah, take care. Right. Be well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm just going to say it, but that was probably the most fun podcast that I've ever done. They are, I mean, that is an incredible story. Thank you for checking out episode number 63. Make sure if you guys are in DC or if you see them in the supermarket, pick up a pint. Uh, like I said, check them out in person. And while you're in this mood of checking new things out, why don't you head over to our podcast, our podcast, man, I screw this outro up every time. Head over to our Instagram and follow us, restaurant underscore underscore podcast. And um, if you're not into Instagram or maybe you know what, you like to consume all kinds of content and this would be a great one to check out on video, the video for this episode and every episode is up on our YouTube, on my YouTube, uh, Kyle and Sarah on uh, YouTube, on all platforms. And look, if you just feel like you were moved to the point of spiritual awakening and you want to do something even better or do your good deed for the day go and just give us a review give us a review doesn't have to be five stars we like five stars i personally love five stars would be great but if you want to hear something else and this isn't quite your cup of tea totally down for some constructive criticism um also guys you know you can text me anytime talk about restaurant stuff real estate operations and a big announcement coming next week stay tuned on a partnership we have going on um, with a couple other industry professionals that you just might know. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, the text number is 914-996-4569. And um, we can set up a time to talk. Totally free of charge. And um, yeah, looks like we're moving out of this. The no mask mandate was dropped yesterday. Indoor, outdoor, not quite sure what it means. But look, stay safe, stay aware, and just keep plugging along, guys. See you next week.